when the world has gone crazy and it's all becoming clear when they're gunning down our comrades and it seems the end is near as they're loading up the launchers for the tear gas grenades we can take off our bandanas and kiss behind the barricades when it's madness all around and you can see this at a glance we will sing and we will cry we will laugh and we will dance as they shout their marching orders beneath the helicopter blades we shall seize the moment for a kiss behind the barricades they will try to break our spirit and at times they may succeed but our love for the world is stronger than their greed when the building is surrounded and hope begins to fade in my final hour a kiss behind the barricades as the movement grows there will be hills and bends but at the center of the struggle are your lovers and your friends and the more we hold each other up the less we can be swayed here's to love and solidarity and a kiss behind the barricades Are you ready for the end of the world? <laughs> Listen to your community spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of friends, the circle of family, the circle of being. <laughs> uh, next step is to wake up. <laughs> Which I think about these. And be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. You are listening to your community spirit with Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And let us tell you that today is Friday, January twenty second. And it is Answer Your Cat's Question Day. Hmm. You know they have some Cats have important questions to yeah, answer. I mean, they sit around there thinking all the time, so, you know, eventually they have a good question. Where's my food? Uh, <laughs> when are you going to change my litter? <laughs> no, I think they, they're philosophers. I think if we could actually talk to them, they probably have a very detailed question. Well, actually, we should be asking them questions. Yeah. Yeah, if they sit around all that time and meditate. Hmm. Okay, so let's see. Some other holidays today. Uh, celebration of Life Day. Uh, Hallelujah. I'm alive. Wake up. <laughs> uh, St. Vincent's Feast Day. And the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. Hmm. <laughs> celebration of Life Day. <laughs> I wonder if they correlate. <laughs> <laughs> um, tomorrow, Saturday, is National Handwriting Day. National Pie Day. I wonder if you hand write on the on pie. On the pie, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> or, you know, you eat the pie and you just save a little bit to write 
thank you on on the plate, right? <laughs> it is also Snowplow Mailbox Hockey Day. <laughs> Not entirely sure what that is. Well, <laughs> I think you have to use the ho- the mailbox mailbox as a hockey puck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's a, a voluntary, consensual use of the mailbox in that way. <laughs> and not, you know, a prank. <laughs> so uh, coming up on Sunday, it's Belly Laugh Day. Laugh with deep within your soul. It's National Compliment Day. so Maybe, yeah, maybe they correlate. Yeah, you could either be complimented on your belly laugh, or when someone compliments you, you can do a hearty belly laugh. You can laugh at them and be <laughs> yeah. like, ha ha, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not really that smart after all. <laughs> Monday is Better Business Communication Day and Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day. Oh, every day is Bubble Wrap Appreciation Day. Yeah, but I mean, imagine if you could bring it to business and, you know, communicate with the popping pop, 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 pop. Yeah, like Morse code. Yeah, it's like, it is also a room of one's own day and the anniversary of the Macintosh, otherwise known as the Apple, right? Yes, the computer. <laughs> Just for anyone who's wondering, I mean, we don't have the exact anniversary for that type of Apple, but the computer yeah. we do. <laughs> so uh, coming up on Tuesday, National Speak Up and Succeed Day, uh, Toad Hollow Day of Encouragement. Excuse me? <laughs> and the anniversary of the dental drill. <laughs> I, had a, I had that sound lined up, but I decided to not play it. <laughs> Might uh, terrify people. Yeah. Next Wednesday is Mozart Day. Very high and holy, but it's also Thomas Crapper Day. <laughs> a day to sit on the crapper and listen to Mozart. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's a good combination. Yeah, it's like... Next Wednesday is the UN International Day of Commemoration and Memory of the Victims of the Holocaust. It is the anniversary of when Auschwitz was liberated... And in Germany, it's the Day of Remembrance for Victims of Nazism. So, um, and, of course, it's Holocaust Memorial Day across the world, so. Okay, and coming up on Thursday is the uh, anniversary of the Challenger Space Shuttle Explosion. Um, I, I was young. I remember that, though. I was pretty young, but... It was very tragic. I remember it being exciting that just like a teacher was going. Yeah, a teacher was going, and we were excited, and then I had the disaster. Yeah. So it was exciting regardless, but it was, um, what is it, a not happy excitement at the end. So So a few things are going to start happening now because, well, school's back in session. People are back in town. Apparently, um, things get nice and relaxed and slow during the holidays. <laughs> but let's see. International Coffee Hour is actually starting today. Let me find it. Where is it? Here we go. Today is um, the first International Coffee Hour of the semester, and it is. Instead of its usual place, they have it. The first one is so big that they have it in the student rec center in the alumni lounge from three to four um, today. You come through the front doors of the rec center and you turn left, and it's the first room on the left. 
And the coffee hour is sponsored by the International Friends Club. And the first one of the year is always like over a hundred people because it's mm-hmm. all the new students. They haven't really got into school yet, and you know everybody comes out to welcome them to town. Yeah, so it's like that's pretty exciting. Yeah, you can be part of their welcome if you show up to that. <laughs> so uh, also coming up, the rice and spice dinners. Uh, Friday's rice and spice international slow food dinner features let's eat. So is that a special theme, let's eat? <laughs> no. <laughs> or it just features where uh, y'all get together and eat? Yeah. Apparently, um, while I was gone over the holidays, they actually had rice and spice because a lot of international students stayed in town. Oh, okay. Um, they did not have it two times because one Friday was like Christmas and one Friday was like New Year's. Yeah. But otherwise, the, they had it pretty much every Friday. And, I mean, it's international slow food dinner. People bring stuff and people cook together. And so tonight there is no theme besides let's eat. (laughs) Uh But um, there is themes scheduled out pretty much the whole semester. If someone wants to um, showcase their food, I have, like, three openings. And two of them are in February. I think February 12th and 19th. Um. I have openings for a main cook to showcase their type of food. And, you know, if they're from another country, their country. So it's a chance to share different foods and share different knowledge and mainly eat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eating's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> so. so it's uh, 6 to 9 at Guy House Interfaith Center. And um, tonight, which is Friday... Cousin Andy's is featuring Mark Stewart and Stacy Errol. Um, th- this duo is cleverly... Cl- let's see. They cleverly duo on acoustic guitars and their music is filled with lovely harmonies. They have a gift of writing autobiographical songs and for humorous storytelling and personal warmth that grabs their audience and makes you feel as though you have known them for a long time. Cousin Andy's doors open at 7.30. I like uh, humorous storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see, other happenings. Uh, we're still waiting on the farmer's market. Uh, it's, it's, it's felt warm outside, but it isn't quite April yet, so there's no farmer's market yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was such a culture <clears throat> shock to come back here. I mean, I was only gone for three weeks. But, like, literally, they have, you know, a shuk, open open farmer's market, like, twice a week, and then every store in the area and I go here to go get some vegetables and there's like you know there's vegetables but not very many like I mean cumbers are a dollar a piece (laughs) so um, I mean I was in northern Israel which they were saying you know they don't really grow much and stuff but like northern Israel is like here in fall (laughs) so there's like um, or it's like here when it's like normally sunny and warm yeah uh-huh. like it was y- yesterday i guess or hmm. the day before you know like 50 and and so um yeah just piles what they eat for breakfast there hmm. is literally cucumbers and tomatoes and and then cottage cheese <laughs> that sounds like a good yeah, breakfast i mean it's just like as much cucumbers fresh cucumbers and tomatoes as you could possibly eat <laughs> and um, I didn't end up losing any weight, though, because the cottage cheese there, they're like low fat is 3% fat. 
And so it's just like, um, but it's good. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I miss good fresh vegetables, definitely. But that's the first thing I did when I came back. I restocked my fridge with vegetables because I'm a vegetable fanatic. Yeah. So Farmer's Market, I can't wait. Yeah, Farmer's Market coming up in April. April, yeah. Start of April. (laughs) Fresh veggies, lots of greens. Um, Saturday, every Saturday, the Vigil for Peace from noon until 1 p.m. at the corner of Maine and Illinois right here in Carbondale. Okay, so we'll be right back with the news. If you have happenings, please make sure you send them to us, the happening guys. Otherwise, your event probably will not be successful. If you're famous, does that mean that you know stuff? (laughs) Let's see here. Bill Gates' vision of combating climate change is mostly myopic, out of touch, and actually a little bit scary. In case you haven't seen it, Bill Gates has a new piece over at the Huffington Post where he argues that, quote, we need innovation, not insulation concluding that the world is distracted from what counts in terms of dealing with climate change in a big way. Too bad every thought in between those is actually upside down. In the interest of actually setting Bill back on his feet, (laughs) here we go. Emission reduction dates, importance, confused. Gatesmith takes his first tumble in the actual opening two lines by asserting that people often present two time frames that we should have as goals for a CO2 reduction. 30% off of baseline by 2025 and 80% by 2050. Well, there are a lot of climate scientists with far greater credentials on this issue than Bill Gates who would disagree entirely. The fact of the matter is that while both goals are important and the 2050 goal probably should be higher if you're referring to reductions in the rich countries of the nations, without strong reductions by 2020 and 2025, actually about 40% below 1990 levels, it's a decent benchmark. The chances are that by 2050 goal, making much of a difference in keeping global average temperature rise below 2 degrees Fahrenheit, dropping our, they they have a list of just catastrophic, mm-hmm. why yeah. are these reports People, always just like so droll, Yeah, nobody really wants to read them? Well, because, yeah, I don't know, they, well, maybe they need to present it more often in like, you know, fictionalized versions of what's actually projected <laughs> to happen, so that you can see, because once it gets, uh, rises above two degrees centigrade, what it is now, the Everything goes out of whack, like the whole... Well, I mean, if it raises a half a degrees, yeah. mean, really, it's the weather starts getting... I mean, people in Israel were complaining. Well, actually, they had, like, 
the Knesset, the government, had this big, huge debate because they've had drought for five years. Mm-hmm. And so they are, they raised the price of water, and um, which was just, I mean, while I was there, and they'd been debating about it for like two years. And they're pouring tons and tons of money into desalination projects, you huh. know, to get the ocean water. Because, I mean, the country of Israel is primarily an agricultural country. And so they need a lot of water. Yeah. I mean, it's really mm-hmm. desert. But, you know, desert, if you p- put put a lot of water, it becomes rich, you know, because it's stuff that's been decomposing for, <laughs> for a long yeah, time. Yeah, for a long time. So there's a lot of richness in it. Um, and while I was there, I mean, it, it's winter, it's supposed to rain, like it does here, you know. It usually rains, like, you know, once every ten days or once a week or, you know. It's sunny, but rainy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um... It literally rained twice the whole three weeks I was there. And normally it's supposed to rain like every third day or something like that. And they show, on the news, they were showing pictures of the lakes, you know, 15 meters low, which is, you know, almost 50 feet low. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a serious water shortage there. And they were showing, it was very, very interesting seeing the, they were showing comparison. They had like a reporter in Washington D.C. like in a thing shivering away, talking uh-huh. about and showing the pictures of Florida under ice, um, England completely obliterated with snow. Yeah, uh-huh. and then the mountain in northern Israel, the the ski resort was closed because there was no snow. <laughs> yeah, because they ran out of snow. Right, and so the the thing that most people don't seem to realize is global warming creates climate destabilization yeah so i hate the word global warming yeah that's why i try to use climate change you know <laughs> climate change or um bipolar weather i like that that's <laughs> like schizo weather so um but it it's very the reason why um i'm talking about bill gates is he's supposed to be a very smart forward-thinking person <laughs> yeah and they've been talking about him in the news a lot because he came out with a, a climate change report <laughs> he's yeah, not he a climate. <laughs> he has nothing to do. You know, he's you know, yeah. he's a celebrity, I guess. Uh, yeah, and it also sounds like he doesn't understand the difference between what baselines are being used to analyze the question. Because it, it sounds like he doesn't even mention which baseline, uh, and that's an important thing. Because some people will say, like, you know, let's reduce thirty uh, percent off of the two thousand baseline, and <laughs> that's a little bit different than thirty percent off of the nineteen ninety baseline. I mean, the the target the USA put on the table in Copenhagen was an effective 4% below 1990 levels by 2020 and 17% below 2005 levels. So, of course, they're talking about, we're reducing it 17%, 17% yeah. <laughs> by 2005 levels. Yeah. Which is utter crap. Yeah. I it, mean, it's a little game they play, you know, with figures. Like, statistics, you know, can be used to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, 10% of statistics are made up on the spot. Yeah, well, I thought it was 11%. <laughs> Actually, the bumper sticker is 40%. So. Uh. <laughs> so, energy efficiency is some pretty ripe, low-hanging fruit. Okay, here's what Bill Gates said. If addressing climate change only requires us to get to the 2025 goal, then efficiency would be the key thing. 
But you can never insulate your way to anything close to zero, no matter what advocates of resource efficiency say. You can never reduce consumption to anything close to zero. That's Bill Gates' quote. Hmm. Now, true enough, but I'm sure that any advocate of energy efficiency would say it can get you to zero emissions. What some of the most vocal of them do say is, I'm thinking of the Rocky Mountain Institute here, is that we can reduce energy electricity demand by 34% through efficiency improvements in the United States. That alone would replace 62% of coal-fired electricity. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just doing efficiency, we can replace 62% of our coal. Because people don't seem to realize for one unit of energy you save at your home, you're actually saving five units at the power plant. Yeah. That's the inefficiencies of the power lines getting it the power to you. So you can greatly reduce your pollution output just by using a little less energy. It might not be much money in your pocket, but it's a lot of pollution going out into the atmosphere. Yeah. And if they do reduce that 60-some percent of uh, coal-fired power plants, that's a lot less mountains they have to blow up in West Virginia. Yeah. And, you know, Appalachia and elsewhere. <laughs> and a lot less people dying from this thing called <coughs> asthma. Well, do people die from asthma? What is it? Emphysema? All those lung things. Um, yeah. And, um, th by the way, while it's true that you can never get consumptions of goods and use of natural resources down to zero, there is a big difference between consumerism and consumption. There's a huge difference based on the standard of consumption, based on human need and ecological sustainability. And, of course, right now the dominant um, consumer-based fetish culture that is spreading around the world. That was, um, that was the biggest thing for me is no matter where I went, you know, wherever I travel in the world, people are very much, you know, buy the latest pair of shoes and latest shirt and latest this that and the other thing so <laughs> i mean um it will only make us happy if we buy this <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's how they try to sell it to you in the ads you know they try to make you depressive and then they say oh this will make you happy or this will make you more confident <laughs> and i think the biggest problem is is a lot of people are trying to make it seem like it's very easy right that it just, you know, saving the world will be easy. Let's just, you know, change a light bulb and it'll work. <laughs> um, recycle and it'll work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are steps, but we, as a society, waste so much that it's ridiculous. Yeah. We have become a, a consumeristic, wasteful country. <laughs> so. Yeah, and it's uh, not going to take just one. If it took one simple step or one easy step, it probably would have just happened already. But it's going to take a lot of effort. And then the main thing is, is there is no one solution, definitely no technological innovation out there now that will save us. I mean, a lot of, you know, geeks and techno-weenies are definitely saying, you know, we need to find a technological <laughs> innovation that will save us. Yeah. The it truth is only we can save ourselves. So it comes back to the philosophy of, do we want to save ourselves or do we want to buy ourselves into death? 
It's a tough choice. Yeah, I, I think we should go with saving ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently in the U.S. we do not agree with Tree Song <laughs> because we just had something called the Copenhagen Accord, which was a very important priority. Mm-hmm. But did you know that it's not binding at <laughs> all? Yeah. So they put together, like, an agreement, which is amazing, amazing that they can put together agreement within 192 countries to come up with any kind of agreement is just amazing. Hmm. But to come up with agreement that it's voluntary, well, they didn't even have to come up with the agreement. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's already doing the things voluntary. <laughs> so they need to come up with. And so the next, the next um, climate, I just forgot the date is in uh, Mexico. So, if you want to go to Cancun, <laughs> the next climate agreement conference is going to be in Mexico. So, <laughs> It's pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they'll get something done at that one. <laughs> so, something more lasting. Well, I see people get uh, depressed about the, the Copenhagen uh, conference, that it didn't solve everything. Wait a second, the Copenhagen. Copenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, to me, what excited me was that there were all these grassroots people who did do a lot of stuff. Like, I, I knew the politicians probably weren't going to do all that much anyway, so I wasn't too surprised when they dropped the ball. But all these grassroots people got together all around the world and did Including stuff. Including small countries. Yeah. A lot of small countries literally took the conference almost hostage. They literally said, okay, you guys aren't doing anything. Literally nothing would have came out of this conference at all. Yeah, there wouldn't even be the notice. Right. I mean, if these little countries didn't all gang up together, essentially, I'm using the bad words, gang up (laughs) and hostage, you know, but that's what the news is saying. They're saying literally these countries took over the conference. Oh, my God. (laughs) But they've been allowing the big countries to stomp on them for so long that they're finally, I mean, literally, Haiti, it's the poorest country in the world, right? Yeah. One of the poorest. One of the many. Because they owe us so much money. Yeah. And, I mean, if we really cared about that country, we would have absolved them of their debt to us a long time ago. So they could have built an infrastructure, an emergency medical system, et cetera, to be able to handle something like this. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Now we're going to save their lives, right? Yeah. And they're going to try to save it by restructuring the economy, too. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's one of the big tricks they use. <laughs> yeah. So um, one heavy-duty, hard-hitting notice is... The new Sierra Club chief brings confrontational style to his job. <laughs> That's right. Currently, Michael Brune, currently head of the Rainforest Action Network, the In Your Face, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're pretty much, yeah, very much direct action. Is he's going to be the new head of the Sierra Club? <laughs> so they're going to restructure a lot of things and figure out ways to make it so that the youth can work through the Sierra Club. So yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say? Besides, don't eat beef. They just did a recall of... Um, Massive recall. Yep. <laughs> um, last week, they did a recall of 864,000 pounds of ground beef, which um, is the equivalent of every resident of Chicago eating uh, 756,000 extra burgers... Well, is that right? No. Every per- resident of Chicago, ter- 2.8 million, and then 756,000 of them can have seconds. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. 
This has been another exciting. I just heard crickets. <laughs> Informative. Did you take notes? Half hour of your community spirit. Um, I will be gone again the next two weeks because I'm going to be teaching a class up in Normal, Illinois at Heartland Community College. Um, the ball is here. Yes, WDBX ball. To see you mm-hmm. there dancing because I want to dance. It's materializing as we speak. They're yeah. working hard to bring it together. Spring mm-hmm. well what was the name of the ball this year? Oh, House of Blues. House of Blues. <laughs> Alright. We'll see you at the ball. <laughs>